Can you say praise the Lord? Thank you, sir. Yes, I agree. Amen. We've got great revival going on. And uh, there's flash revival. And there's consistent revival. Consistent revival. Consistent, consistently moving forward. Isn't the Lord good? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord. And uh, we are doing some minor things to our church, but we are still leaving the door open for the Lord to uh, move us in a, uh, possibly in another area if God wants to do that. Um, I don't really uh, care in the long run, as long as we have good church. Praise God, as long as we can come together. And I'm trying to kind of motivate us on Sunday nights to come to be a more worship service. Praise God. Um, I'm cutting back on time on sermons uh, because uh, I and my sermons are going to be more uh, not uh, long sermons. I mean, we have two services on Sunday. A lot of churches don't, which I really enjoy that Sunday night service. It's nice to have a break every once in a while. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you cannot have breakfast all the time at night. And uh, there's breakfast in the morning and there's dinner at night. And it's kind of hard to have Sunday school and then turn around and eat, eat again with a message at night. I mean, the message that you'd bring at night. So as long as, I mean, God has always said, and it works so well, and, and we enjoy that. And then not only that, while I'm into that, Praise God. If somebody misses one service, then they've missed the week. And uh, that's not a good thing. So, praise the Lord. It's, uh, uh, it's a good, it's, but anyways, we have our church. But I want to make our Sunday night more of an open worship. Come, let's worship, have a lot of worship. It seems like God has given us that ability to do that. Uh, we are blessed with our music. I don't know if you understand this, but there's churches I know of 200 that have nobody to play the piano, and we've got three or four to play the piano, praise God, uh, and they have nobody to play the drums, and we've got one now that plays the drums, praise the Lord, and uh, God has always been good. It started out, you know, Ethan Smith, I said, Ethan, somebody needs to play drums, you need to pray about it, and he did, and then Brother Phillips come along, and he said, I said to Brother Phillips, Brother Phillips, you need to pray about playing the drums, because I just felt like the Lord had him to do that, and uh, he did. And then when Brother Phillips decided it was the Lord's will for him to leave, the very next week, Brother Island came and sat down. And, uh, and so, you see, God always takes care of things. Over the last years, praise the Lord, we've had vacation Bible school. And uh, at one time, the McAfee's were extremely good at fixing up our pulpit. And then came along, praise God, the Redmonds. They were really good at fixing up our pulpit. And then they left, and the Phyllises came, and they were very good at fixing up our pulpit. And then they left, and Nancy and John came, and they were very good at fixing up our pulpit. And you know what the word thing is? This, that it's just been the same stupid pastor all these years. But anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord. But... But anyways, it's just, you know, God is always in pastor and the, and the very smart pastor's wife. But God has always sent somebody to take care of things. Adney, he? He's just so good. It is his church. 
He's going to take care of it as long as we keep it in his hands. And that's what we're going to do. Praise God. Will you stand with me today? Praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. And God always takes care of things because we are in his hands. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, we're glad the tree's gone. My God, I dealt with leaves for, I mean, the wind would catch those leaves and they would bring them up and pow them about this high over that door. And that's where they would stay. Every Saturday, I would come down and blow all the leaves for about an hour up into the woods. And then Sunday, I would come back and there would be some left. And then we would pay the lawn guy now. He comes down every Saturday and would blow those leaves. And it's a nice example, praise God, how life is. And that is, you may not have a, pe uh, a tree on your property, but you'll end up with your neighbor's leaves. <laughs> but yes, it was, it, they took those trees down, and uh, we were, they were afraid they were going to fall down is what it was. So, yeah, and it's good. In God's hands. How many is glad you're in God's hands? Praise God. I'm really excited about this message today. In Psalms 31 and 14, it said, But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. And this is the verse I'm really going to zero in on. It says, My times are in thine hand. The rest of it says, um, of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. But, Lord, we love you, God, and praise you, Jesus, for your presence and your spirit, asking you, Lord, to touch God and to move and to be with us. Help me, dear Lord, to move and to do your will and to walk in your ways. And God, I'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen? amen. You may be seated. There are not too many men that I know of that has gone through the life that David has gone through. Praise God. When you look at the life of David, God had a special purpose with David. David had a special coat of armor, obviously. Praise the Lord. And I think the reason David went through what he went through was because he just stayed close to God. God was his buddy. You can go through a lot when God's your buddy. Praise God. But, and when I talk about buddy, I don't mean as an even kill. But he made God his, uh, his counselor and his friend and his most important uh, uh, man. But David was a man that uh, had been through so much. From the facing the lion, killing a lion with whatever, bare hands. I don't know. It might have been a sling and a stone, whatever. He to a bear. He killed a bear. Think about the life of David. David had a mad king. We call him a mad king Saul. Everybody's got a mad king Saul in their lives. Somebody that God has put over you that's not a good person, and, but for some reason God has put him over you. And, and uh, a mad king Saul uh, who went and of all the things that Saul had to do, all he could narrow his sight down on was killing David, running around, taking his armies, and rather than protecting his kingdom, he wanted to kill David. Can you imagine the President of the United States after you? Praise God, uh, you know. Um, the amazing thing was that 
Uh, you know, I mean, when they was after Ben Laden, it, it was in another country, but David was in his own country running from King, Mad King Saul, praise God. From being a, a man that went to war and battle, he went out in battle, and of course when you're fighting, the first thing you want to do is kill the leaders, kill the king. So he was shot at tremendously, praise the Lord, to uprivals in his own kingdom, to where his own son tried to overtake his kingdom and, and kill him. I'm telling you, David faced death tremendously. Praise the Lord. But he's, he simply said, like in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he simply had the attitude, praise God, amen, that, uh, Lord, you are my God. You are over me. You watch over me. And, Lord, you are there. And my life is in your hands. Praise God. Amen. You know, I'm in your hands. I've got to give up on You know, there comes a point in time in life where you just give up. You just say, I've had enough. I'm tired of fighting. I'm just going to give up. And there's sometimes, you know, you... you uh, when you're working with people, you just kind of set back as a parent or as a pastor or whatever, or as a leader, you set back and you let them do it the wrong way. I got to tell you a story. This is fun. Praise the Lord. My, my sons one night decided that they were going to paint the brakes on the inside of their car. They were in their 16, 17 years old. Praise the Lord. And, um, but they wanted to take the tire off, and to take the tire off, you take the lug nuts off, but sometimes it's froze on, so what you do is you walk over by the edge of the tire, and you kick the tire, and it flies off. And uh, so I, they, are, they come in, and they says, Dad, you know, we got to get this tire off. Can you help us? We don't know why it's not coming off. So I go out, and two, three hard kicks, and the tire goes flying. And, uh, and so... Uh, I know they weren't going to let me tell them how to do it. They're 16. They, they, and so uh, I go back in, and about an hour or two later, I'm studying for, this was a Saturday night for Sunday morning. And so um, they come back in, and they got the, the third, second tie. So same thing. So by this time, it's like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and, and maybe 11 o'clock, and they got the third tire Praise God, and they can't get it off. Well, I'm, I'm looking out the window, and they're kicking in the middle of the tire. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the window, getting a glass of water, and they're kicking the middle of the tire. And I'm like, <laughs> so they come in, and they're like, you know, and every time I kick it off, and they're like, Caleb's like to Justin, you know, you know, Justin, we probably had it off. One more kick, and we would have had it off. Why did we go get him, you know? And so, um, and, and it's, uh, we still do it with each other. And so, I go out there at 11 o'clock at night, and I said, look, boys, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain to you. I know you do not want to hear it, and I know you think, but I'm going to explain it to you, because I do not want you to come and get me out of bed at 1 o'clock in the morning for the fourth hour. Praise God. I said, you kick it out here on the end. No, oh, you know. But sometimes you, and I did the same thing. You know, I was going to Texas to, to we, we wasn't married or anything. We was dating. We was going to, you know, uh, we was looking to get married and stuff. But I was 
in West Virginia, and I was working on my car, and my dad went by, and he looked, looked underneath, and he stuck his head in the window, and he said, son, he said, I think if I was taking a trip to Texas, I'd be more interested in the motor than the, than the radio. Praise God. <laughs> We've all done it. But sometimes we just got to beat our head against the wall until our brain, I guess, is set right. Never heard that, but it sounds real good. We just have to beat our head against the wall until finally our brain is in the right position. We beat on our computer to make it work. We hit things to make them go. And sometimes we just got to beat our head against the wall until it, get, until we, until it, until it all gels right. And that's the same thing that happens to us in life. And, and there are times when God has to let us wear ourselves down and say, Okay, God, it is in your hands. I'm giving it to you. I'm tired of fighting. There are some men in the Bible that are uh, examples of people who put things in the hands of God. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Job. Job 14 and 5 says, Seeing these days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Job was in a bad situation. Praise God. Job was full of boils. Job was looking at death. Job wanted to die, but he knew better than to die before his time. And so he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, my days are numbered from you. In other words, I will live as long as you want me to live. I will live as long. You know, we look in this life, people live so long, people live so short. You know, the good can die young, the old, the old can be bad, but God has the number of days. I've lived long enough and, and, and been to the medical field enough to watch people that doctors have done everything perfect and the person's died. The doctors really screwed up and the person's lived. You, it's... Death and life is still in the hands of the Lord. Every day, my life is in the hands of the Lord. If it's God's will for me to live today, I will live today. If it's not God's will for me to live, I'm in trouble. Because I'm gone. Praise the Lord. My, hand, my life is in the hands of the Lord. And David said, my life is in the hands of the Lord. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we try to tell God how to do it. We try to tell God how to get it done. Amen. But we need to just sit back and do what we need to do. Don't get me wrong. This isn't a, a way for you to be lazy. We need to do what we need to do, but we also need to trust God. We need to do our part. Because God has a, a set number of days, and one is not going past that day. David said, or I'm sorry, Job said, one is not going to pass the day of which God is going to allow him to go. Praise God. And you're not going to alter that. God is in control. Praise the Lord. God has set the number of days. 
You see, when God created man and woman, he created you with a purpose. You was not an accident. You might say, well, I'm an adopted child. I don't care. You're not an accident. I'm telling you, you cannot take the things that hurt, that was, was, uh, that come against you or the things that, praise God, happened to you and use them as an excuse not to do God's purpose. you got to take it and do God's purpose with it. It's like the man that went hunting and found cuckleburrs and was taking them off. He said, there's got to be something about these things. And he ended up becoming a millionaire with Velcro. You know, there's always something good out of what's going on. God's put things. The Bible, you know what the Bible says? The Bible simply says, I have given you two choices. I have given you life and I've given you death. Choose life. Every day, you've got choices. You can get up and you can say, well, I've got this and I've got that. And, my, and your eyes are always focused on the negative things. And that's all you see and that's all you pick. But I'm telling you, there are positive things. If, it get, if you wake up in the morning and it's too messy to do something outside, get your inside stuff done. Because when the sun comes up and you're busy out there working, you can go in and enjoy what you fixed on the inside. Praise God. But God created you with a purpose. You've got a purpose. I'm telling you today. I deal with people all the time, especially in the business world. Who struggle. You know, it's amazing to me how somebody can be so fixed on one person approving them that it destroys their whole world. And if they only realized that God approves of them, and if God approves of them, then they ought to be happy. Praise God. God created you, He created you with a purpose. He gives you a day, a week, a month, a year to fulfill that purpose. Praise God. Every day you get up, that day has been given to you. And God's saying, all right, what are you doing with that day? Praise God. How are you fulfilling that day? Are you fulfilling the purpose? Are you taking care of yourselves? Are you taking care of others? Are you taking care of the house of the Lord? Are you taking care of the things of God? Are you doing what you need to do? You see, he gives you talents, whatever those talents are. He gives you those talents. You know, someone said, I, I've, I've dealt with it in the past, not so much now, because it seemed like it's maybe I've proven myself a little bit. But I've dealt with people that have said to me, you don't need to work. You need to be a pastor, and that's all. Well, I got news for you. If I was not doing physical labor, I would mentally go crazy. It just keeps me upright for some reason. Praise the Lord. And people don't understand it, but that's fine. They don't have to live it. Quit going on what other people say. You know what God has given you in the ability for you to do. Praise God. Amen. You know in your heart what God has called you to do. And you need to do it. Whatever your talent is. If it's mentally, if it's physically, praise God. Whatever that talent is, whatever comes natural to you, whatever's easy for you.
Praise God. You do it. Amen. And you do it to your best of ability. Because that's your talent. That's your purpose. That's why God created you. That's why God put you in the world. Praise God. You know, an engine can have a very small gear. But if that very small gear does not operate right, that whole engine is faulty. No matter who you are or what you do, it may seem very small to you. But it is part of a process that God has created and made. He made you for a purpose. You weren't born by accident. You just didn't come into the world because your mama loved your daddy so much. You came into the world, praise the Lord. He, he, you know, your mama could have still loved your daddy, and your daddy loved your mama that much. Praise God. And you didn't have to exist, but God created you so that you could exist, so that you would have a purpose, and God would do something in your life. Praise God. And he gave you a talent. He gave you a talent. And what did you what are you doing with that talent? Praise God. Because here's the thing. Your success in this life doesn't come by being on TV. It doesn't come by being famous. It doesn't come by being well known. It doesn't come by having a pat on the back from everybody in town. Your success comes by fulfilling God's plan. I want you to think about that. That's where your success comes from. By fulfilling God's plan. Every day of your life. You may not be noticed by it. It may not ever get in the paper. You may not ever be on TV for it. But if you're fulfilling God's plan. Praise God. You may not be rich. You may not be famous. You may not be good looking. You may not be an athlete. You may not be really intelligent. And all those things are great. Go for it. Do it. But at the end of the day, don't get your fulfillment in that in your self-esteem. Get it in the fact that you are fulfilling God's plan. It's about that. People are born. People are being born. And they're like, I'm not, I don't like who I am. I don't like what I am. I don't like this. I want to be something different. I want to be some. You know, there are people in life. Praise God, that are searching to be satisfied from everything outside of them. And they're moving here and they're moving there and they're going there and they're switching jobs. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with switching jobs. That's a good thing. As long as you're not doing it to try to find yourself. Praise God. As long as it's in the will of God. You know, years and years ago, we used to take bike runs. <laughs> And you can look at me and say it was years ago. We used to ride 20 miles, 20 miles bike run. We'd go 20 miles on a bike. We'd get to the destination. We'd turn around. We'd come back 20 miles. Praise the Lord. And one time we went over to Pittsburgh, Montour Run. Praise the Lord. And it was a really, they had old train tunnels that we'd go through and everything. And uh, I had Justin and Caleb with me. And uh, we got the bikes off the car, and we started. We got 15 miles, 
And we would ride. I would kind of ride at a regular pace. I mean, Justin and Kate would race down for another half a mile back. And they did that all the time. And I just, you know, kept my old pace and with my old hat on. No, I didn't have the hat. But anyways, kept my old pace. And um, we got down, and I felt bad for the boys because, I mean, they'd seen all of it. I mean, they'd seen it twice. And so after about 15 miles down, I knew it was going to be 15 miles back. I was 30 miles. And I, I think I could have made it, but it was time purpose and for the boys. And I said to the boys, I said, I'll tell you what, boys. I said, um, I'm going to turn around here. It was about 15 miles. I said, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to head on back. And I said, you guys make it to the end and come back. No, Dad, that's all right. And I said, no, 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 go. No, Dad. I said, no, go, go, go. All right. And they took off, and I turned around, and I pedaled back. Praise God. We got back to the car, and I was putting the bikes back on the rack. And I heard one of the boys say, you know what, Dad? We really didn't come out here to make the, the 40 miles. We came out just to ride bikes with you. And I thought about it. Are we going to get to the end of life and say, you know what? I was really working for this. And it really is about a relationship with God. I was so busy with the things of this world that I really missed out with my relationship with God. Praise God. Amen. Many times in this life, it's about timing. Life is about timing. Praise God. Everything is about timing. Now, you know, it's, it's <laughs> most of the, I don't know if there's too many people in here older than me. We used to have Brother Smith, your dad, Mark. They're all not here today. Praise God. I'm, I might be the oldest dude on the block. You might be, yeah, you're a little older than me. But do you remember the timey light? Yeah. There were, you remember that, Jack? Yep. Mark, you probably did. Back when we had a car, it was a thing called a car. They don't have cars anymore, but they, it was a thing called a car. And it was a simple thing. And you would put, a, a, you had a timing light. It was like a gun. And you would put the positive on the positive battery, the negative on the negative battery, and you would stick a wire on the first spark plug on the car. And you would take the timing light and you would hold it on the, the drive shaft. And there was a, uh, there, and you took the distributor and loosened it a little bit. And then you would hold that timing light and that spark plug would make that thing flash. And you would turn that distributor and it would make the whole insides of your car line up so that the piston would come up at the right time. The spark plug would fire at the right time. It would make all the timing just right. So a, 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 a car that was agitated because it wasn't being timed right, the, 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 uh, the piston didn't actually make it full to the top before it fired. It would start, your engine would start shaking. And you could turn that um, distributor and set that timing light on it, and you could watch it. And all of a sudden, you'd hear that motor just poo and just purr. Remember that? It was the timing light. Everything was in timing. And you see, 
your life is like that. God has put, just like the master builder of the engine built that engine and put it together so many years ago, God had your life and put it together. The problem is a lot of people are out of the timing of God. They're not in the timing of God. And so their, 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 their life is like... But there's a timing. A clock has a timing for the hands to move. Praise God. A machine has a timing. But if that timing is off, then things are going to be messed up. Ecclesiastics 3 and 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. Praise God. God's plan for your life, praise the Lord, is not finished until you've taken your last breath. Praise the Lord. There's a story about timing. Amen. And it, it starts, amen, about um, it was a, uh, a young sea captain that was moving a set of barges. And he misjudged something, and he got this barge up on a sand dune. And uh, they couldn't get it off, couldn't get the barge off. I mean, he really rammed it up there. And so they um, called an old, old, old captain, and he said, let me, let me do something. And he left, and he come back to the phone. He said, I'll see you next Monday. And they said, okay, but we're going to try. So they brought uh, loads of, of weight in, and they set it in the barge, hoping to push the sand dune down. And lifted it out. It didn't do no good. They brought other barges in strapped it beside it, tried to get underneath it, tried to lift it up. They had worked almost all week long and never was able to get anything done. So finally, that Monday, he came in in the evening, and he ran the tugboat up to the barge. He had them hook it up. And then he said to them, he said, shut all the engines off, let's go get some coffee. So they shut all the engines off. And they got some coffee. So they're sitting there drinking coffee. They're paying this guy. And they're really kind of getting irritated with him. And then all of a sudden, they felt an, a movement. A movement. A movement. And then all of a sudden, he got up, started the engines. What did he do? He waited till the tide came in. He went in and he found out from the calendar when the tide was coming in. You see, he took what God was doing and got behind it. Praise the Lord. And that is the lesson we need to learn in life. We need to step back and say, okay, God, what are you doing in my life? Because every day God has put some concrete down for you to walk on. The problem is, you're not waiting for the concrete. You're thrudging through the mud. And you need to just say, okay, Lord, you've got a purpose in my life. I'm waiting on that purpose. Praise God. 
Amen. Another example was Moses. Moses, amen, praise the Lord, was another example. Amen. And that is the fact that Moses, he was born in an Israelite family, being, over, or being managed by an Egyptian country. His mother had hit him three months. You know the story. I'm going to kind of rush through it. Amen. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter. Praise the Lord. Amen. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was 40 years old. He goes down, all polished, all cleaned up, all in his great robes and everything else, shining, skin taken care of. He comes down to see his brothers, and he realizes that in his heart, you see, when God births you, he puts a purpose in your heart. That purpose will drive you. It will drive you to do what you want, need to do. Ooh, don't let your mom or your dad or anyone else determine what your purpose is. They cannot see it from the outside. You know what it is in your heart. And you need to do it. Too many people are trying to follow somebody else's dreams for them. You know what your purpose is. If you don't, pray until God gives it to you. Amen. And it's like the woods. You walk up to the woods. There's thicket, there's briars, there's everything else. And there's a path that goes down through there. God will give you that path in your life. It's the doors that opens. The problem was... Amen. He goes down and he looks around and he sees his brethren being hurt. And in his heart, he feels he's got the purpose to do the will of God. And so he goes down and he takes control and he takes things into his own hands. And before you know it, amen, it backfires on him. Praise God. And he leaves. He has to run. Amen. And he goes. And for 40 years, God trains him in the backside of a desert. And then God comes along and says to Moses, Moses, I want you to take the people out of Israel. Amen. Moses was like, Amen. I can't do that. Praise the Lord. I can't do that. I, I can't do that, Lord. I don't know what Moses' problems was. I don't know if he was angry with God because he was going to do the will of God or he was going to do his purpose. But God says, you know, no. I don't know if, if, if he felt like the children of Israel really wanted to be delivered I don't know what his problem was, but the problem was with Moses was he tried to do it before God wanted it done. You see, you know, every man that I know that God called him to do something, God would call, God called David to be a shepherd, anointed him and sent him back out to be sheep, shepherd, I'm sorry. God anointed him to be king and then sent him back out to be a shepherd. 
He, anointed, he, he saved Saul, became Paul, and then sent him for three and a half years to learn the gospel. There's an old saying, it says, amen, that sharpening a sickle is worth the time. Praise the Lord. There's times when God has to prepare you. You may feel a calling to do something, but God is going to pull you on the sidelines. I went to Bible college. Amen. Right after Bible college, oh, us Bible college kids, oh, bless God, we're going to save the world. We're going to be the next best evangelist. That I had guys in Bible college that would call somebody and say, hey, man, we'd like to come to your church. Well, they're not going to say no. Yeah, come. Before you know it, they were in a tent in the middle of town. Praise the Lord. And I'm like, I mean, I, I had people say, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I went to my wife's church, and that's where I'm at now. Yeah, right. You went to Bible college, and that's all you're doing now? That's all God's got for me. What am I going to do? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, God's always called people. And then he's always prepared them. There's going to be some down times. You might say, I feel calling. I've got a burden to do this. I've got this and that and that. That's fine. I've got screwdrivers that are sitting in my drawer that are not being used right now. But I'm telling you something, I really appreciate it when I need one. And we're all tools in the hands of God for him to do what he needs to do. We may not be, be, using it, be used at the time, but like one man said, I will prepare myself and someday my time will come. My wife will tell you, when I was in Tyler, Texas, Brother Wiggins did not use me for anything. Praise God. He did not use me. He had other ministers that he, need, he wanted in the positions, and he did not use me. And why was I there? I was there because God told me to be there. And she would tell you, I got a big chair. I sat it in the bedroom, and I sat there, and I read my Bible, and I prayed, and I studied, and I put lessons together, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And I said, Lord, someday you'll use me. Praise God. If God calls you to do something, you need to first prepare yourself or you'll never be used. Praise God. The problem with Moses was he wanted to do it on his own. And it wasn't God's timing. See, there's a timing. They have a saying now, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. There's a timing. God's got a timing in your life. And you've got to just wait on his timing. Praise the Lord. Wait on the, praise God, tide. Amen. He first, Moses first had 40 years to be a prince. And then he was going to be 40 years to be a shepherd. And someone might say, what a waste. No, it was not a waste. Yes, he was out there taking care of sheep because one day he'd be out there taking care of men. David was out there taking care of sheep because one day he was out there taking care of men. And he knew how, as a shepherd, he took care of those sheep. So he knew how God was taking care of him. That's why he wrote Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. 
If we live the kind of life, God, you are my shepherd. If we're like David and we say, Lord, you are my God, my life is in your hands. Praise God. I'm not going to go until you want me to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. He, he, it was not a waste. We are like tools in a toolbox. There's a time and there's a season. And when God is ready to use you, there will be no one who can stop you. Satan cannot change it and nobody can take it away. When God came calling, it was time for Moses. I don't know if he realized, I don't know if he felt like, I failed God. You know, sometimes our past failures can ruin us. One failure, I can't do it now. One failure, I just can't do it now. It ain't going to happen. I tried it once. It ain't going to work. I tried it once. It ain't going to work. So we just, we just limit ourselves. Praise God. When every day we get up, we ought to say, I'm going to try it. You know, I, I, I know that it irritates some people when I talk like this, but it is so, so true with me, and it's the only way I can explain. You don't understand sometimes, and it's not really bad, but it's really hard for me to remember things. I do not. If you gave me three songs in a row, I could not remember it. If, you, if I want to play the bass and I could play one note, that's fine. But if I had to play a bunch of notes in a row, it takes me a long time to remember that. I do not grasp it as fast. Now, don't feel sorry for me because God has given me some qualities in some other areas. Everybody's got good qualities. Everybody's got bad qualities. It is what it is. But, amen, it would be very easy for the things that we struggle with, to throw in the towel and say no. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here is the thing. And that is, I believe that we need to do the best in everything that we have. When we used to play racquetball, there was somebody that played racquetball a whole lot better than me. And they started slacking. And I said to them, sometimes they would beat me, amen, um, they would beat me 11 to a negative 22. No, just kidding. Um, they would beat me pretty bad. And so all of a sudden they started letting up on me. And I said, you know what? You ain't playing your best. Well, I'm beating you pretty bad. I don't care. You ain't playing your best. We need to do our best at everything. If we're really good at it, we need to do our best. We need to be the best we can be because God gave us that talent. We're required to do the best we can do. Praise the Lord. Amen. We need to do the best we can do. Amen. Because we fail, we need to do it again. Amen. Each day we are living for God. We're preparing for tomorrow. Let me, let me give you an example. I'm probably going to run out of time. But let me give you an example. Every day is a day that is built for the next day. What you do today will determine tomorrow. And what you do tomorrow will determine the next day. Some years ago, I was out at the pipe place on the, out here on Calcutta Smith Ferry. And I was getting some pipe for my pond, I think. Or getting something, I don't know, taking pipe back. I must have been taking pipe back. 
And um, I looked over, and there was a guy with a car. And he bought a 12 or 16-inch wide pipe. And it was 10 feet long at least. And he was trying to bungee cord that thing to the top of his car. And I hollered over at him, and I said, hey, buddy. So where are you going with that? And he told me, and it was about a mile from my house. Well, I've got the truck with the racks. And I said, hey, let's just throw this up here, and, and I'll deliver it for you. He said, okay. So we tossed it up there, and I followed him. And I tossed it off and uh, said, bye. And he said, bye. Thank you. Drove off. Never thought another thing about it. Very small thing to do. Very small thing to do. Two to three, maybe six months later, my son-in-law called me, and he said, Dad, he said, there's a, our father, my father, he doesn't actually call me Dad. He said, Brother White, would you, um, we're, we're going to look at a house. Would you go look at a house with me? And I was like, yeah. So we went out on this road to look at this house. We're walking around this house. We're looking at this house, and I look down, and there is the house of the guy I delivered the pipe to. He was out in the yard. So I went, I went down, I knew him. I said, I'm gonna go down, see, say hi to him. So I went down to say hi to him. We was talking and he said, I'm gonna tell you something. He said, you don't wanna buy that house. He said, that house, the septic system's in clay. He said, it doesn't have any drainage. The third, three people bought that house and they struggled with the septic system. Now, number one, I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable enough to go down there if I would not have done what I did two months ago. Number two, he may not have felt comfortable enough to talk to me if, or if he didn't feel good about me. You see, we do today what makes our tomorrow. Praise God. What we, the kind things we do today set up tomorrow, it's a purpose. It's the, our purpose in life. Praise God. And God's got a purpose for us, but he puts it in your hands. You see? The kindness of life you get. You know, the scripture goes, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's not because God's up there making them do it unto you. It's because he has set your life up to the point to where we are almost fixing our own situations. We're almost, we are doing our own things. Before every great work, there's always the time of preparation. Like I said, Moses had 40 years in the wilderness. Paul had uh, three, and a half year, uh, three and a half years, David with the sheep, praise God. Amen. There is downtime. I want to tell you, I was wanting to tell you the story about the parking lot. Um, God always has a purpose and God always has a plan. Um, those of you that don't know, this parking lot was not always here. There was a a house and an apartment. There was a concrete wall that was almost as high as a human head. And it ran along there, and there was dirt, and there was a house. That was, the, what ran between this church and that property was not a, um, it was not an alley. It was half his property 
and half our property. We had this parking lot back here, and our house was over here, and our yard was back there. And to get to that little parking lot, we would have to drive up here and park back here. We could get three or four or five cars at the most, but the last one had to leave before the first one could get out. And that was our parking lot. And um, the, the thing of it was, uh, it, once again, it was not a drive. To get to this parking lot, you had to go down to the street, up the street, and through the alley, which was vacated. So it was only by the graciousness of God that he let us drive up his half. Um, we, uh, sometimes he could be hard to deal with. Um, and so we, we just struggled with it. But that house was going for like 40000 50000 we could never afford that. But this property behind us, we was going to buy. It came up. We could afford it. The neighbor over there said, look, I don't want all three partials. There's three partials there. I want one partial. And so let's not have a bidding war, because he knew I could outbid him. He said, let's not have a bidding war. He said, let's, let me just purchase the property. And then after I purchase the property, he says, I will let you sell two halves or two-thirds th two of it. I said, okay, that sounds good. So he did. He purchased it. It's a Sunday night. I was back there. I pulled up, and I walked over, and I said to him, I said, now, when do you want my attorneys to get a hold of you to um, buy the property? Well, I was talking to my wife, and I decided to keep it. I said, okay. On the way to the door, I said, God, you got to help me tonight. i got to preach with a pure heart. So I came in and I preached. And um, so um, this place come open for sale. It was 40000 over here. And uh, um, I, we could not afford it. There's just no way. So, And God help us, whoever bought it. So it once again, it's God's property. So... Um, Things moved on. The guy sold it, and then there was a situation where there was somebody in the government office that helped him get it, and it was unethical. It was there was a, a thing happened, and the state ended up having it. And so then I contacted the state, and we got the property. The house needed to be tore down. The apartment needed to be tore down. We wanted it for parking. And the amazing thing about it was, about that time, we had bought our house, and this house was over here, which it needed to be tore down. The city at that time was tearing houses down for a very good price. Y'all remember that? For a very good price. So we was able to get $45,000. We had a new roof put on. We had a situation with the, the, the those of you that knew this building, this church had, um, it looked like the Alamo in the front. It was... It was like four feet high, and it was stone, and it had these huge concrete pillars on it. It was like a pyramid built upside down. If you look at the walls, they are cracking and buckling a little bit. It's not happening anymore because we took all that weight off. For $45,000, we had a new roof put on. We had it overextended. We had this house tore down. We had those houses tore down. We had all that dirt which filled in our parking lot. We had them accidentally 
bust a pole out here. Thank you, Jesus. And so they took that pole, and I, I knew the power company because I did their offices, and they took that pole, and it, for me, they put it way up in the woods so it wasn't in the middle of our parking lot. We were able to do that. Amen. And, you know, God just opened doors, but he shut a door first. You see? He shut a door first. Because if I would have financially got wrapped up with that, it would have made it hard for this. So I'm telling you today, God's doing something in your lives. Open your eyes. Say, okay, God, what are you doing? When's the tide coming in? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Praise God. And when God does it, don't be too lazy to get up and move forward and do it. When God picks up the, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, he would pick up, amen, the holy cloud. He would pick up the holy fire and he would move it forward. And that's when Israel knew to get moving. But let God know, amen, God, I will do what you want me to do. Lord, my life is in your hands. You've got a purpose in my life. So many people are wandering through lives, blinded. Praise God. They've got a purpose. Amen. And God's got another purpose in their lives. Amen. So you just have to trust God. Why? Because our life is in his hands. Let's stand. Praise God. God is good, isn't he? I'm glad that my life is in his hands. Dear Lord, we love you, God, and praise you for this day. God, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Touch, Lord, and to move and to be with me. Help me, dear Lord. Help us, dear Lord. Keep your protecting hand upon us. Watch over us. God, bring us back tonight. Let us praise and worship you because our life is in your hands. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Can everyone say amen?